I want us to open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to read the word to you for just a moment and as a text. I want to preach a message to you this morning called Never Again. Look at your neighbor and say, Never Again. Never again, never again, never again, never again. In Genesis 6, verse 5, And God saw the wickedness of man that was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and creeping thing, and falls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made him. But Noah found grace, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I believe with all of my heart that righteousness will always attract the favor of God. He was made sin for you who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. When you are made right in His sight and you live right, the favor of God will be attracted to your life like a magnet. Amen? Father, thank You for Your Word today. Thank you for heaven's help to deliver it accurately in the spirit of faith and love. We give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. In verse 9, the Lord basically instructs Noah that the end of all the earth is coming and that things are going to change quickly. And so he instructs Noah to build an ark and he gives him specific instructions. Because in verse 18, he says, I'm going to establish my covenant with you, and thou shalt come into the ark, you and your sons and thy wife, and thy sons' wives will go with thee. And in verse 22, thank God Noah was a doer of the word of God. Thus did Noah according to all that the word of God had commanded him to do. Amen. How many of you know that the word of God does not teach that we will never experience storms? Storms are going to come and tests are going to come. But if we are in the right place in our mindset, if our eyes are upon Him, if we are in the right place with our faith, we are not just going to survive, but we are going to thrive like never before. And I believe with all of my heart that the world around us is drowning and it's time for us to introduce the world to the real ark. They're drowning in apathy, they're drowning in doubt, they're drowning in fear, they're drowning in humanism and all other kinds of isms. But we know the true and living God, the ark, the Lord Jesus Christ, is what they need and is who they need. And when we're talking about Him as our ark, the Christ, the Son of the living God, we're not talking about the emaciated looking hippie on the cross that the world portrays Him as. We're not talking about the feel-good therapist or Christ, the revolutionary ideologue. But we're talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. David said, I will lift up my eyes under the hills from whence comes my help. And he says, my help comes from the Lord. Because you are the one that made heaven and you are made earth. Two weeks ago, we exhorted about him being our refuge. The psalmist said, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I'm so so glad I have a secret place that I can go. It is the presence of his grace that we can come to in our time of need. And we can be saturated and strengthened and anointed even with fresh oil. Even in the midst of difficult times. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He that dwelleth in the secret place. Of the Most High. 
is going to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord that you are my refuge. You are my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. My God, in him will I believe. There is a key word that the psalmist used. He said, he that dwelleth or he that abideth. There is victory when you abide in him. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. It's not just getting into the word, but it's abiding in him and living in his presence. How many abiders do we have in the house today? How many of you are in all the way? How many dwellers, how many abiders in this place today? I'm not just talking about going to church and paying your tithes and getting the shakes and quakes and bakes from now and then. But I'm talking about abiding in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I'm in all the way. All the way. Sold out for Jesus. Not looking back. Not turning back. Not looking back to the world with awe and said, oh, they have it so good. But yea, we are fit for the king. We are fit for the kingdom of God. And we've got our hand to the plow in these last days. For it is truly time to harvest the souls in. It's harvest time. These are days of heaven upon the earth. These are the days for my people to rise up and be strong and do great exploits in his name. That's what the Bible says. They that do know their God, they shall be strong. And they should do great exploits. Are you in? I'm in. We're all the way in. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. See, I'm baptized with Christ in Romans. I'm crucified with Christ in Galatians. I'm raised with Christ in Ephesians. I'm strengthened with Christ in the book of Philippians. And when he comes, glory to God, because I'm in Christ, I'm going to rule and I'm going to reign with him. How about you? Now, before Noah broke new ground, he had to build an ark and he had to go through a flood. How many of you can say that in the last two years you've been through at least one grande storm? How many of you can say that you've been, in the last couple of years, you've been at least uh, through two hurricane proportion storms? Raise two hands. But if you've been so many that you can't count anymore, raise two hands and a foot. If you've been through so many, if I Google your name, the National Hurricane Weather Center shows up and your hand in your, in your face is there. Raise both hands and both feet. But if you're still alive and you're still standing, you're still praising and you're still believing and you're going from glory to glory to glory, give him some praise in this house today. Glory to God. We are not going under, we're going over. We're not looking for the undertaker, we're looking for the overcomer who's going to lift us out of this place. Woo, glory to God. Sometimes you got to go through to get to. Joseph went through the pit to get to the palace. Israel went through the wilderness to get to the promised land. Paul had to go through the storm to get to Rome. But i got a question for you today. Did Joseph stay in the pit? Did Daniel stay in the den? Did Jonah stay in the well? Did Jesus stay in the tomb? 
Well, we're not staying in this either. Hallelujah. I'm coming out. I'm going somewhere. I'm just going through because I'm about to get to some place I've never been before. I'm going through because I'm about to, oh, glory to God. I'm about to receive something I've never received before. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. See, some of you shouldn't be here this morning. Some of you should be laying up in a hospital. Some of you should be in the prison or still in prison. Come on, somebody. Some of you ought to be six foot under. Some of you ought to be laying on the street drunk and high. But thank God, by the grace of God, you're not drunk. You're not high. You're not in the hospital. You're not in prison. Why? Because the Most High God has lifted you up. Hallelujah. Because we serve a great God. I should be dead. Well, I am dead because my life is hid with Christ in God. But I'm not talking about that kind of dead. You know what kind of dead I'm talking about. Thank God he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Somebody help the preacher today. Say it with me. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And he's alive in you. And he's alive in me. Go to chapter 8 of Genesis. Sometimes you got to just preach. Sometimes you teach. Sometimes you preach. I've been teaching a lot more lately than preaching. But I tell you, when the preach comes on you, you got to give place to him. Amen. Genesis 8, 1, it says, Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month on the mountains of Ararat. When the flood receded, the ark rested where? On the mountain. You may have been in the valley, but I'm telling you what, the winds of the Holy Spirit are going to put you up on the high place. Amen. He went on top. Amen. See, God did not make us the tail in life. He made you the head and not the tail. He made you above and not beneath. Somebody says, well, why am I down here? You're just down here going through the test because sooner or later you're going to rise up to the mountain and your test is going to turn into a testimony and it's going to make the devil mad, but it's going to make your father glad and other people around you are going to say, look what the Lord has done. Woo, thank you, Lord. He made you for great things. He made you for greater glory. He made us for greater presence. Verse 5. The waters decreased continually until the tenth month. And in the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark when he had made. And then he sent out a raven. I want you to pay attention to that. Which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. And she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. And he waited. Everyone said he waited. How many know sometimes you've got to wait? 
Don't step out of the ark before it's time to step out of the ark. Don't step out of the ark following the raven. Step out of the ark following the dove. They that wait upon the Lord. He waited another seven days and again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening and behold a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So we waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which had not returned to him anymore. I want to preach just a little while to you this morning that it's not the raven, it's the dove. Look at your neighbor and say, no more ravens, only doves. So you need to know when it's safe to step out of the ark and step out into the mountain. See, here's what happens. Some folks get to the top and immediately they want to step out. How many of you know you cannot step out until there's a proof of life? Come on now. He gets to the top and he sends out the raven. But Noah was not to follow the raven. He was to follow the dove. Amen. And the dove is a type of the Holy Spirit. How do you know when it's safe to step out? You can't follow the raven. You've got to follow the dove. Now listen to me very carefully. We've got people today walking out in their life following the raven, following dead dreams, following dead memories, following dead relationships. How many of you know that some of your relationships need to be severed? I'm talking about Pookie and them. I'm talking about Bob and Sylvia. I'm talking about Jose and Juanita. I'm talking about those people that want to bring you down. And those people that don't want to add to your life, but they want to take from your life. They're like spiritual leeches. They're like spiritual sponges. But yeah, Pastor Mark, the Bible says love one another. Yes, love one another, but there's some people that you've got to love from afar. Come on, somebody. Because if you get too close to them, they'll try to bring you down to their experience of life. They're down in the mullet grubs with their violins talking about how bad things are. But oh, thank God you were created for bigger things. You were created for better things. You were created for stronger things. It is true that your horizontal relationships can have vertical consequences. Too many good people. I'm talking good people. They're following the raven. But the raven, you see... Always reminds us of our past, but the dove points us to our future. The raven always perpetuates fear, but the dove will ignite faith. The raven says you're a victim. The dove says you're more than a conqueror. Say it with me. It's not the raven. It's the, it's the dove. What do ravens do? They're following dead things, dead flesh. Ravens are a type of moving in the flesh instead of moving in the spirit. There's a big difference between the raven and the dove. The raven points you to death. The dove points you to life. The raven points you to hell you've been through. But the dove points you to the heaven you're going to. The raven says, look what the devil has done. But the dove says, look what the Lord has done. Look what the devil did, but look what the Lord has done. Look what he's doing in your life. Is he doing great things? Say with me, my season of dead dreams is over with. No more ravens in my marriage. No more ravens in my finances. Say it strong, my raven season is over. It's over, it's over, it's over. It's over. 
Noah did not step out till there was a proof of life. Notice with me in verse 11 again. Notice this. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth, and Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. Olives produce oil. Oil in the Bible is a type of the Holy Spirit and a type of the anointing. Noah came out because there was an anointing for him to do so. And I'm saying to you today, don't you dare move unless there's an anointing to move. Because my Bible says that it's in him we live and in him we move and in him we have our being. Do you know that the olive tree is the most resilient tree in the nation of Israel? It's known as the flood and the storm survivor. And the reason why it is known as the storm and flood survivor is because of its roots. You see, the olive tree's roots are embedded in the hard places. Literally, an olive tree can be embedded and continue to grow literally in rocks. We could say that this olive tree is connected to the rock. As long as the rock does not move, the tree will have life. Hallelujah! And so this dove comes representing life. And he's here today. The same spirit is here today. And he has anointing for you. And he has grace for you. And he has an outpouring of direction for you. And he has an outpouring of life for you. Somebody said, Pastor, yeah, but I've been in the flood. I've been in the test. We're coming out and we're coming up. And as we come up, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is quickening your mortal bodies. He's restoring and repairing paths for you to dwell in. He's going to cause that which has been stolen to be restored. Some of you lost your home when the market crashed. Some of you lost your apartments. But God says, I'm going to restore to you the years, the finances, all the things that the enemy has stolen from you. I've got you. I love you. I'm on your side. Give me some faith and I will cause my blessing to come upon you. Hallelujah. See, it is the anointing that destroys the yoke. Stop thinking about all that the enemy has done. It's time to look up. It's not time to be looking down. It's not time to live a frustrated life. It's time to look unto Jesus. He is the author. And He is the finisher of your faith. All those distractions... All those things that pointed you to failure, those things must be left behind. And let the Spirit of the Lord, with that olive branch in its beak, let the Spirit of the Lord bring fresh oil into your life. It's like David said. He said, I'm going to be anointed with fresh oil. David was saying, you know what, as for me and my house, we're going to get in on this anointing. We're going to follow the anointing and the glory to God. And the anointing is going to break the yoke. The anointing is going to destroy bondages in my life. And that anointing now, that same anointing that took Noah from the flood to the mountain is taking you up. Say it with me, I'm going higher. I'm going higher and higher in God. Woo, glory to God. Now look at verse 13. Did you wear your shouting clothes today or not? 
I mean, at the end of the first service, we danced, we spun around, we were ready to just tear this building up. Now, we don't want to promote the flesh, and we don't want to be manipulative about that, but I'm telling you, a message like this should prompt some praise in your mouth. A message like this should prompt some praise in your feet. Amen? Amen? Somebody said, well, I got a silent praise. You better get rid of that silent praise because when you get to heaven, it ain't going to be quiet. You know, I had one of them silent praises too as a Catholic boy growing up in the Catholic church. My hands weren't raised, but my knees were knocking. Some of those saints on the wall looking at me like, I know what you did last night. Yeah, you, you second grade, I know what you did. My knees were knocking, but I got saved. I got filled. Now my knees don't knock any more. And my hands are lifted to Him. How about you? Lift your hands up and praise Him. Every someone say never again. Verse 13. Came to pass in the 600 year, at the first year, in the first month, first day of the month, waters were dried up. Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked out, dry ground. Second month, 27th day of the month, earth was dry. And God spoke to Noah, here he goes. Go out of this ark, you and your wife, your sons and your wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of the flesh that is with you, birds, cattle, everything. Be fruitful, be multiplied, replenish the earth. Verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. You know what altars were representative of in the Old Testament? They were representative of a place where God had done some awesome things. There were altars here and there were altars there so that when they would go through the path of life, they would be able to return to those places and they would see, this is what God did. All of you have altars in your life. I have an altar in my life. It's a state institution where they kept mentally ill and mentally retarded people and drug addicts like me. My altar there back in a little town in Minnesota, I just go back to look at that big brick building and I can look in the window and see the room where I was about to slam my head up against the wall because I couldn't sleep for days and weeks. And I look at that place and I just say, thank you, Lord. I'm not here anymore. I'm not what I used to be. I'm now brand new. Hallelujah. And then I can drive downtown into that little town. And I can go to the center of the gymnasium where I heard the gospel for the first time. And I walked out of my chair and I said yes to Jesus. That's an altar for me. You should have altars in your life. So Noah built an altar. And he took all these animals... And he made a praise offering to the Lord. Now notice verse 21. Read verse 21 with, with me. Go ahead. Ready, read. 
Now let's look at it, the NIV. Read, go ahead. Everyone say, never again. again. God said, never again will there be a flood like that. Noah, never again will you go through what you've been through. Never again. And I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying to those of you that are here today that will build an altar of praise. I believe your praise will prompt the Father to say, never again. Never again will you lose your home. Never again will you experience that kind of depression. Never again shall your marriage be broken up. Never again shall you feed upon the world, but you will feed on manna from heaven. Everyone say never again. In case you missed this point, let me just say it real clear. There's a praise that is birthed in you and me in the midst of the storm. That once it comes forth, it prompts him to say, never again will you go through what you went through. Never again will you be the tail and not the head. Listen, never again will I shoot anything in my veins. Never again will I drink alcohol. Never again shall I suffer and battle the anxiety and the depression that this world brought me down to. Never again. Because there is a lifestyle in God and only in God. There is a praise that goes before the throne of grace as a sweet aroma. And that praise pleases God. And your praise and your worship is not just done in the sanctuary, but your praise and your worship is a way of life. You're sold out for Him. You're living for Him. Once you lived for the devil. Once you lived in the world. But now you're living for Him. And when God sees that... My father says, that's it. Never again. Never again. Now, I know that this is a broad statement, and it doesn't apply to everyone, but it does apply to many of you here today. And that is this, that it is sometimes that the size of our praise is directly proportional to the magnitude of the hell that God took us out of. Has he taken you out? Has he delivered you? Has he done something for you that you could never do for yourself? Come on, saints. Are you going through a little bit of hell right now? Is hell knocking on your door? I hear the psalmist say, yes, even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I can see Paul looking over at Silas and said, you know what we need to do in this midnight hour? We don't need to gripe and complain and talk about all we've been through. We need to go to the rock that's higher than I. So Paul and Silas started praying. 
And the Bible said they sang praises to God. That praise prompted God to send a Holy Ghost earthquake. And that earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. I'm telling you this morning that your praise can shake some things up. It can cause you to have a breakthrough and your father to say, you know what? That's my son. That's my daughter. Never again. Say it with me strong. Never again. Glory to God. Never again. Never ever again. Been through little hell, little praise. But listen, friend, if he's saved you, if he's healed you, if he's delivered you, if he's turned your feet around and set them on solid ground, then you need to give God the highest praise. He is worthy of our highest praise. He is worthy of our highest praise. I believe this with all my heart. God's turning some things around for you today. He's turning some of your mourning into dancing. Glory to God. Instead of the spirit of heaviness some of you came in with, he's putting a new suit on you. It's called the garment of praise. Hallelujah. The enemy is afraid and shaking in his boots that you might just get up and shout. You might just get up and be beside yourself just a little bit. You may just lift up your voice and choose to rejoice in the God of your salvation. See, the Bible says that praise shuts that turkey's mouth up. One thing I know about him, he think he bad. And he ain't that bad. But we serve a good God. And be not overcome with bad, but overcome bad with good. Our good God always trumps the bad devil. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I have come! That you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. So this praise prompted God. There's something about a person that praises him in their midnight hour that causes God to inhabit their situation with his glory and with his power. It causes his presence to come down and to so saturate you in your midnight hour that it's even as if the test wasn't even happening because you are filled with his glory and you're filled with his power. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Fill me, Lord. Lord. Say it again. Fill me, Lord. Lord. Saturate me, Lord. Lord. With your presence. With your goodness today. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. Look it over there quickly. Never again. No more ravens. Somebody just shout, never again. So, after all this, God's got a word for him. He's been through some things. You've been through some things. But how many of you know our Father has the last word? He always has the last word. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. I want you to read it with me. And thank you for helping me preach today. Ready, read. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them. Now let's not just let that slip by us so quickly. 
The same God who said, light be. Amen? You know what happened when he said, let there be light? There was light. Do you know what's happening today? There's still light. This universe is expanding at the speed of light. Wow. What is the speed of light? Stand up, Benga. This is Benga. He's a, he's a precious brother from Nigeria. Tell us about the speed of light. How fast? Three times ten raised to the minus eight meter per second square. Woo! <laughs> now, who knows the California equation of that? or 163,000 miles per second. So about 163,000 miles per second. <laughs> the rapture of the church, baby. I'm coming out. Woo! I'm waving bye to the world because I'm coming out. He's going he's gonna to lift you. Yeah, yeah. He's going to lift me right out of here, Tony. We're going right out of here. And we are not going out from a cave. We are not going out hoarding up tribulation food and gathering water with our knees knocking because of the Antichrist. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the Christ. I'm not going to let prophecy scare me. I'm going to let prophecy encourage me. Because I hear the word of the Lord. When these things begin to come to pass, look up. Look up. Why? Because your redemption, it's coming close, guys. But just think, think about it. Think about what eternity is going to be like. I mean, expanding the earth and the universe at what Benga said? Wow. I mean, when it's time to check out, your angel's going to come get you? Or you're going to be raptured? Amen. They'll ask you, you want to go to the scenic route or just want to go right to the throne? I'll take the scenic route. Amen. Oh, well, Husheba Sata. Oh, my, 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 my. It's bigger than words can express because our God is a big God. Our God is a good God. The heavens and the stars declare the glory of God. The same God that said, light be, said to Noah, be fruitful. Be. Be healed. Be saved. Be filled. The same God. Who said, let it, let there be, yeah. said, not that, but said, be fruitful. Yeah. Be fruitful, be fruitful, be fruitful. Yeah. Don't live your life in the flesh. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. 
living according to the dictates of the flesh will not produce fruitfulness. It will produce a fruitless life. I'm looking at a group of wonderful people today. And I know there's not one of you today, if you're honest in your heart, that you would say, I don't care if I'm bearing fruit or not. I don't care if my life is fruitless. I don't believe that that's one of us. I believe the Lord is saying to some today, be fruitful. Be fruitful. I've made it available to you today, but I'm waiting on your decision. I'm waiting on you to turn. I'm waiting on you to give your all to me. And if you give your all to me because you're in covenant with me, my all will be made available to you and you will be able to prosper and you will be able to bear fruit. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. If you'll walk in the Spirit, you will produce fruit. If you walk in the flesh, you'll produce nothing. And so the Lord is speaking to us today, is He not? He's saying never again. But He's also saying what He said to Noah. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. There are three things that He said to Noah that He's saying to you today. Be fruitful means increase. You can have prosperity in your life. He said multiply because fulfillment is coming your way. And Noah, if you will do what I tell you to do, and friend, if you will do what he tells you to do, there should nothing be nothing missing or nothing broken in your life. I don't think that there's much left to do in this service but just to get our dancing shoes on. And give him praise. That's because our raven season is over. But you can make that quality decision today in this place. You say, yeah, pastor, I know. I've been, I've been following dead things, dead dreams, dead relationships. It's time to come alive. It's time for you to come alive. And I might be speaking to a handful of people. I might be speaking to more than a handful. But in my spirit, I just know that God is saying to you, it's time for you to make a quality decision so that you can start bearing fruit for me. Because I've ordained it and I have planned it from before the foundation of the world that you would be fruitful and that you would be a blessing in this generation right now. So it's not time to wait. It's not time to try to be cool in church and say, okay, well, that's a good word and everything. That applies to you. And I believe the Spirit of the Lord is moving in this place right now. Saints, just pray with me in Jesus' name. Let's pray and let's believe God together this morning. Yes, we're going to do some praise and yes, we're going to do some shouting.